Super Yacht Radio. Making you feel good all, all day, day long. long. Welcome to the crew mess, coming live to you from Palma de Mallorca. Thanks for being with us. Maeve and Dave here in the crew mess on this Monday. You know so where Monday comes from? Monday is based on moon adag. It's an, a Middle English Anglo-Saxon word. It's based on the moon. In fact, Monday, if you look at French and you look at Spanish, based on Luna, the moon. And the moon is symbolic for mental health. Which is also significant for this week, as this is Mental Health Awareness it Week is. around the world. And um, we have some very special guests with us today. Thank you for joining us from Insignia Crew. Uh, we have Andy McCain and... And Steve Eaton, both from... Um, ex and you're ex-military as well? No, I not at all, all wasn't sure, actually. No, no, I just sort of uh, ended up mixing with people as the years have gone by. But no, no, I escaped that. Keeping good company then, Emmons. So, Andy, could we, if we, we could go, move to you, you have sure. quite a background. Could you just share a little bit of your background so that people kind of understand where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it would be an absolute delight. I um. As many people in the super yacht sector will now know, I, I, I brought Insignia Crew together um, on the back of my experiences in the super yacht industry uh, and also having spotted an opportunity to uh, bring a multi-skilled sort of pool of professionals to the sector um, who weren't being represented up until uh, the launch of Insignia Crew in 2017. And of course, that pool of people are, are members of the uh, armed forces uh, and the wider associated uh, sort of elements of that around the globe, really. Um, so, I, uh, in a nutshell, I, I worked on board a seventy-meter super yacht as a, uh, a deckhand diver and um, a close protection um, operative for a high net worth individual and his family. Um, that came to a conclusion after about two years when the maritime security um, uh, demand flared up in the end of 2009 and I went off and did that for a couple of years but I, I always had in my mind that there was an opportunity to showcase as best as I can um, the abilities of the uh, uh, professionals from who carry an armed forces pedigree basically um, former military men and women. Now um, a couple of weeks ago uh, and I was actually this is how this conversation uh, came about today uh, I was on a conference call with many people in the industry, and it was about mental health, and we spoke with Iswan. And one of the difficulties that we have in, in the yachting industry, I don't think it's just the yachting industry, though. I think this is wider uh, as well, is that quite often somebody with mental health issues, you, you, you don't get engaged really until they're already at a precipice or are falling off the cliff, as the Iswan guy put it in those terms. However, um, Insignia and uh, yourself, <coughs> Steve and Andy, you, you take a different approach. It's a more proactive approach to, to preempt uh, this stage. Andy, could, could I go to you first and talk to me a little bit about uh, what your view is and, and what your methods are? Yes, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing myself with... Uh, I know, I realise we have two Andrews on, <laughs> on performance today. <laughs> If, well, I, if I can come in very quickly there, yep. just, just just to give a little bit of context to, to how Insignia Crew, uh, again, um, spotted an opportunity and also had a very clear idea of a solution. 
Um, I was at the ISWAM presentation in 2018 at the Imarsat building um, uh, and watched the entire um, you know, uh, evening's discussion unfold. And what was apparently, uh, what, what was uh, crystal clear to me at the end of that was that, um, yes, there is a, a ever-growing problem in, in um, the industry generally of uh, poor mental health um, and the effects that has on people, crews, families, everybody um, associated with, with those that unfortunately sort of fall off the cliff, as you put it, um, David. Um, but what, what was very, very clear to me at the end of that presentation was um, everybody was talking about the problem, but nobody was talking about the solution. Um, so I um, set about my research um, and was very fortunate to be introduced to um, the associates that we now have working with Insignia Crew, uh, it, it, you know, uh, Andy uh, McCann and Mr. Steve Eaton are amazing examples of that. So we started talking about how we could take a more proactive approach to uh, mental health in the industry rather than waiting for the um, the fallout of poor mental health to have a detrimental effect on, on um, the individual, the crews, the families and, and, and those uh, more widely associated with um, with those people. So um, we, we've pulled a really powerful proposition together in the um, in the form of a crew resilience training, which is now um, a live proposition that can be delivered um, directly to the vessels um, sort of uh, by uh, the team that we have associated with us um, or indeed um, and Andy and his team are sort of bringing that to um, uh, to a virtual sort of platform which I think will be available very shortly but the the, the main point of um, bringing crew resilience training to the industry was to um, in a nutshell um, take a more proactive stance to mental health um, thus preventing problems rather than allowing the problems to happen and then having to deal with those um, problems afterwards. And what format does this take? I mean one of the, the the phrases that used to be uniquely military was PTSD and you would hear from soldiers being exposed to horrendous things um, in, in the course of, of their defending the country. Uh, but now we're seeing this as, as 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 a term applied to the average person, especially coming out of the COVID experience. Uh, we're talking in terms of people going through PTSD because of their fear of what's going to happen. How, how do you preempt uh, this kind of thing? I'll come in for a moment. There's a, there's a few things that, that you've discussed uh, just in the introduction that I think we would need to put into context. And the suggestion that some people have mental ill health implies that it's sort of a binary condition. You either have it or you don't. So what we need to understand right from the outset is that mental health is on a spectrum. And we'll all, you know, be sliding up and down uh, that spectrum on a daily or weekly or monthly basis from feeling that we're, we're thriving in, in our, our workplace, in our job, sometimes feeling overwhelmed to sometimes feeling distressed. And then for a, a small percentage of people, the circumstances are such that there may be a PTSD-type reaction. But we'd still, as human beings, we're really resilient. There's a, a small number that at some time, through what they experience, may go on to develop PTSD-type symptoms. That doesn't mean they're any sort of uh, different to anyone else. Is it, is it more the coping it's mechanism? some of the... Uh, they had at that time are different. 
So we would, first of all, put this on a, on a spectrum that no one is immune, irrespective of whether you've had a military career, irrespective of whether you've got higher education degrees, irrespective of the amount of wealth you've got in, the, in your uh, portfolio. No one is immune to the creep and the susceptibility of, of mental ill health. With that in mind, we now know as a trauma-informed society, because of what has been studied in the likes of military over 20 years, we do now know that there are certain things we can do in advance to minimize the effects of distress becoming um, you know, a longer-term disturbance for an individual. There are things we can do as an organization, and there are things we can do then to respond and support those individuals early on. And this is a key thing about the, the process we, we talk about early on, rather than leave that in the hands of mental health experts, where often, um, you know, the backlog to, to, uh, to see them, um, you know, is, is often too late. And Steve, um, if I can ask you from, from your experience as a, as a soldier, obviously, it's most, I would imagine, uh, key to identify people in your group that may be uh, succumbing to more vulnerable. Um, uh, mental health issue yeah, for, for the, the, the safety of whatever missions you're on. How, how do you... Because, you know, how do you spot somebody, because they're very subtle, these things, and quite often they're internalized, people very rarely speak of how they're feeling, especially guys. We don't talk about our emotions because we're guys. Um, how, do you, how do you spot these things? How do you preempt? How do you, how do you step in there before it becomes a big issue? Um, I think... I think certainly in my experience, we, we were quite fortunate um, as part of the Royal Marines that we took on board something called trauma risk management in, at the, in the early stages, which is a, a model used for very much. It says um, that it's used in a priority way, but it, it is almost used in a reactive way. But the key thing with trim is that it came with or it comes with a degree of, um, of education I about you know how your body is affected biologically by the stresses you're under, um, how that fits within a sort of social setting. But a, but a key element of the trim process was to give you sort of researched risk factors, which you know they're not you know there's there's ten of them, uh, and they they cover such things as uh, you know the, the, a person if if they they might talk about being out of control, uh, they might have talk about a certain event where the life was uh, was under threat um, they blame people there's a, a relation of guilt um, also there may well be uh, you know a, a feeling of isolation the fact that they've not got anybody to talk to and one of the key factors of trim is the fact that it's not run as a sort of medical intervention it's run very much as a as a peer support, non-clinical sort of intervention. And, and being a peer, being a friend, a colleague, whether it's on a, on a boat or on a ship or deployed in the military or part of a surgical team, um, you're likely to see the changes in each other rather than other people, even within, say, a, a married life. You know, my, my wife's colleagues may well see the differences in her uh, before I do, because they see it in a, in, a, in a work setting. So, so you're trying to see the differences and the changes in people. 
those, those subtle things like she's she's not as talkative as she used to be or um that kind of thing yeah you know and there may be concerns and and it's it's it is you know and, and we'll go into it a bit you know some of the things that you do actually you know things that you could do with which do help you process some of the things that you go through some of the challenges um, there's a, an interesting sort of uh, link to what you and Steve discussed there. The, the, the evidence suggests that we cannot pre-screen people for a psychological vulnerability to succumb to PTSD because it's not a binary condition. Organizations, you know, don't try and do any pre-screening. However, what we do know, as Steve suggested, are that there are clear negative predictors of an individual's psychological resilience to show that they're sliding down the spectrum from flourishing to feeling overwhelmed to possibly distressed. The first thing that we would always look for, and this is consistent with large-scale military studies over five years through more sort of public health work, is um, sleep disruption and sleep dysregulation. That is always a key indicator. After that, then, you look at things like, you know, um, if there's been a particular situation, as Steve said, a sense of blaming others or anger, a sense then of whether we can identify in ourselves or other people, are we withdrawing from the normal social support we look for? And are we taking increased risk things to do with our health and well-being? Maybe are we drinking a little bit more than we did? Are we seeking sort of thrills elsewhere? So there are real, whilst we can never pre-screen, there are certain consistent negative predictors of resilience. And so to be proactive, if we help organizations identify what these negative predictors are, that education um, is a useful strategy in its own right. It's funny you should, you should mention that, Andy, because... Uh especially in, the, in this industry, if you're working on a busy charter boat, uh, sleep deprivation is, is a norm. You know, you're up um, very early in the morning getting ready for guests, and sometimes they're not coming back from the clubs till 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And you've got to be up and looking good and be there to do whatever is needed. So uh, sleep can be a big, uh, a big influencer in this. Can I also add that um, I, I've also... Is there, um, not to distinguish between the sexes, but there is certain things that um, women will show when going through a depressive cycle in a different way to men. And as you were talking about um, behaviors, I, I went to a talk last year here in Palma, and it was focusing on mental health in the industry. And a a younger girl crew member uh, came and told her story and a captain shared his story. And both of them had gone through an extremely difficult time for a number of years. Their stories were very moving, very different. What struck me in particular with the captain was he was just constantly working for, you know, took no break and didn't recognize for about three or four years what was going on. His release was actually in um, what he said of, of kind of being an adrenaline addict. You know, he would go, if he had a weekend off, then he would go and he would try and go, I don't know, paragliding or something. Um, but that 
he just literally had blinders and he went to a therapist he went to a counselor in the first year or two and kind of went I, I don't have anything to talk to you about you know and it wasn't until he kind of had gone full cycle that he recognized um, what had gone on in the early stages that he'd actually just been kind of managing to keep a cover on but it had still been under the surface do you is there a difference to um, how symptoms present and, and therefore how you can recognize them? Well, f thanks for sharing that example. I think it's a, it's a really good one to talk about on, on for a couple of uh, levels, really. First of all, there's no real suggestion that males or females uh, based on gender maybe um, you know, succumb to a sort of a PTSD more. There, there could be more cases of women presenting for support because across society as a whole, you know, the issues and, and prevalent now with, uh, you know, what, what's affected society over the last two months, issues of domestic violence perpetrated against women more than well, men, certainly not exclusively against women. So maybe statistically more women present for support than men, but there's no sense that there's a gender difference. What's important and in, what's interesting in the example you gave that I would be picking up on is the sense of sort of um, role-related isolation that the captain may have and almost sense that he's got to keep, you know, doing things rather than present and recognize uh, you know the vulnerabilities that he may have uh, been displaying at that time um, I think the, the key thing and we, we train people is it's not just what people say is how do they how do they look how are they when they're sort of interacting with, uh, with themselves and others so you know really it's about the person not about the gender not about the the role that do, do, they have. i think Steve, that's something that came through you know the 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 work that the royal marines did but do, do you mean the subtleties andy like if if when you're talking they're they're looking down or sheepish or their body language is closed is it that kind of subtleties that you mean not in any sort of um you know real Clinical, psychological, your eyes go to the left, that means, you know, you're telling a truth or a lie. Not so much that sort of thing. But when our body is engaged in a high level of stress, you know, breathing rate changes. Shoulders you know, make, up. And make coughing, the dryness in the mouth, the whole posture. We can see you could be walking, you know, down the seafront there in Parliament. If someone is having a bad day, you can see it in their face from 10 feet away. You know, so yeah. it's the it's the holistic thing, not just the words, hmm. because this this you know this stress uh, that we may feel intellectually or emotionally, you know, it's uh, it's manifesting in in the in the body. You know, from an evolutionary perspective, stress is priming the body to need to move. So if people feel they can't, you know, they they might start to fidget a bit more. There's there's lots of you know subtle signs, as you say, but it's good physiology it's not sort of some you know uh, uh quacky um psychology it's probably why i look 30 years older than i really am uh steve <laughs> wasn't meant to be funny uh, steve, <laughs> could, could i ask that the, the importance you know uh, the importance of a good team a cohesive team in the operation of a super yacht it's crucial uh, you need a good team, uh, A, for a happy boat, but also to, to have 
a good operations, a good experience for the guests, etc. Um, in building a team, what's your recommendations there in, in, in stitching into that building of a team um, the, if I can use a, a term from, from, from your bio, the softer skills that um, perhaps preempt the, the, the mental illness or build the communication or and or the connections an, an between people. An environment where people can talk about what they're going through if they are. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's a really good point. And it's, um, again, it's, it can be looked at in a military context, but it can be, it's absolutely key to, um, to all aspects of, of being human, really, because, you know, we know that probably the number one factor for resilience is, is the support of others. You know, humans are, um, you know, we're, we're group animals, we, we, we live and operate best uh, whether we like it or not within a group environment so so the team setting is is really really important and uh, I suppose you know trust is is the biggest thing within with team really is is you know if you've got trust within a team if you're able to speak openly and honestly with each other then you stand a far better uh, chance of being able to you know diffuse if there are particular issues you can talk about things that feel that you can't talk to other people about so the team setting is is really really important and it it's i suppose a feeling of of safety in some respects could could i ask because i I used to work in in corporate land don't know if you know the place and um we used to do these these things these team building exercises uh where we all sit down and, and and make a car out of lego or something or the other one is you know, turn your back and then just fall backwards and you will you know you won't see me but I will catch you and this will build a bridge of confidence and trust between us never did but um, is is that the kind of team building thing that you're talking about is, is how do you build that trust because it's a very fluid you know, uh, crew not like in in say office work but seasonally crew changes but also um, the the big difference is they're also they're not just working together they're living together which i think is yeah, the big yeah. distinction for both how they operate because it's a bit more like boarding school military when you work and live together but on the other side it also means that your immediate support are the same people that you're living and working together uh, and i think I, that is what sort of distinguishes yachting to corporate world are there any you know are there any of those corporate games that 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 you bring onto a yacht and go okay do this and you'll all trust each other i don't know whether they exist to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> effective did. ones anyway they did say, the corporate land what we, what, what we do try to bring to things is is a realistic approach you know and what we do know is that every scenario is different and with the different types of characters that you get in all sectors, you know, it, it is, there is no one rule that, that fits all. But if you can start with building trust within each other, you know, and that could be just to, you know, opening conversation, you know, conversation is, is so important, you know, mm-hmm. learning to know each other, to understand if there are particular boundaries, you know, it's this, is it going back to saying it's, it's this feeling of how, how do you, allow somebody 
um, a degree of safety. And I say safety, not just physical safety, but, you know, sort of psychological safety so that they know that they can, they, they don't feel trapped. They can, they can talk to, they can express their feelings that, you know, that, you know, um, their wants, if they've, if they've got an issue that needs, they, they're concerned about, then they need to have feel that they've got somebody that they can go and offload to, that they can talk to. Um, and, you know, just living on board, you know, there could be all manner of things that you can, you can do, but it's, but what we try to do when we do our programs is, is heavily involve, for instance, you're talking about the crew, you know, would be heavily involved the crew and get them to come out with and to work out the best ways that they can build their team to the best of effect, because each scenario is different, you know, and one thing me and Andy don't do is turn up with all the answers, you know, we know we have our, uh, our skeleton of you know what we know is is a, is a is a good team we we know what good psychology if, if you know if there's such a thing but but for you know we use a very much a sort of a coaching approach to encourage people to take ownership of their own situation and their responsibility because you know when we walk away ultimately it's the team that's left behind you know so who's going to be responsible for that who's going to be responsible for this you know are you able to take ownership so um, you know, the, our approach is very much a collaborative approach, um, and you know, we, we we you know we we can provide a bit of a, a, a skeleton or a bit of a framework, but ultimately, it's the, it's the members of whether again going back to whether it's a surgical team, whether it's teachers in a staff room, whether it's a you know whether it's a banking group or, or on board in a in a you know on a on a yacht. You know, it's all teams are different, the leadership styles are different, uh, the taskings are different, and so building those in to make sure that they actually work within that environment is absolutely key. Can I, I think uh, um, if I could come in there just yeah. very quickly, um, the, the, the one common theme that, that underpins all of this is, is a sense of relief. I think of, of those interact with, with people like Andy and Steve um, who probably have, in some cases have been trying to sort of understand how to deal with something for quite a long time. And there has to be a, a, an immense sense of relief when finally um, there's an opportunity to begin to understand um, the feelings that you have and also to kind of offload the, the stigma that's associated with um, potentially not feeling that great um, on any given day. Um, so when you start folding in something like crew resilience training into uh, a super yachts sort of yearly training cycle or something along those lines, um, what you instantly do is is offer us a, a sense of relief to those on board that perhaps have been living in this kind of pressure cooker environment with with no release whatsoever and have been under the pump pretty well for the whole season on charter or privately and all of a sudden you have um, an opportunity to speak to, to, to you know subject matter experts about how you're feeling either openly in a room or individually as you know as a as a one to one session can I can I also kind of probe a little bit further of um, dynamics because we last year had a discussion about mental health and one of the interesting comments from one of the captains is of all the training he was given actually a, a short course he was given early on about um, mental health and how to how to manage that in his crew was one of the most helpful things he had and talking to another friend of ours who's a captain recently. He was explaining how he feels tremendously responsible for his small crew, two of whom are having mental health issues. However, 
he himself has been going through a depression himself for the past three months, of which he talked to absolutely nobody about. So um, we certainly see the responsibility from the captain or the chief stew for the crew and recognizing signs. But I, I think one of the nuances here is if you work together in the whole team and it's a tight team, then possibly the, the big benefit is that it's not just the responsibility of the captain, but you know the responsibility of all the team as humans because everybody's vulnerable to mental health. Yeah, but even as Steve said, issues. you know, even in a married couple, you know, I might be going through stuff and you wouldn't even recognize that. Um, it's a, it's no. What's fascinating about the, about the superyacht industry, um, particularly uh, when you start looking at um, seasoned captains or otherwise, and, the, and those in a position of responsibility, they're they are, you know, 20, 15, 20 years into, um, you know, a considerable amount of responsibility. Um, and, and yet a large proportion of those, um, you know, on the stick, as they say, the captains, rarely have an opportunity to um, either indulge privately or, or look at their own personal professional development around leadership and, and you know, how do you cope um, with mental health uh, or you know mental health yourself or indeed in those that you that are looking up to so um this is a big piece as well around how we support you know the industry's captains um to better understand how to manage uh, uh you know situations um either when they're occurring or, or even better how to prevent them um via this sort of proactive yeah. response to um we spoke, resilience training we spoke with somebody about that and they said there was something like a, a day's talk about it but not much, really. Anyway, uh, gentlemen, we have to go to a short break, short commercial break. We stay am, with so us, please, please. Stick with us, and um, we will be back in a moment. And welcome back to the Crew Mess, coming live to you from Palma de Mallorca. And we are joined today by Steve Eaton and Andy McCann, who are part of the, oh, and of course, forgive me, Andrew as well, uh, part of the Insignia Crew Group. And uh, today we're talking about mental health in the industry and um, preempting it and uh, resilience training. So thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today. Um, I'm finding this very, very, very informative. And uh, so we were kind of uh, just before our break, we're talking a little bit about the importance of support at all levels in uh, on, on, on a yacht, not just you know, the captain being trained to see the signs and symptoms for crew members, but a team approach that it's a supportive team that can at least communicate and um, help each other out. Yeah, basically fixing the problem before it's broken, to use a term. And um, kind of to delve a little bit further into that, uh, while we were on the break, we were discussing about one of the big biggest challenges in our industry in many industries but i think especially in in the yachting industry is uh the fear that um many people have if they acknowledge that they are having a um a problem that it will affect their career progression that it's very difficult or more difficult on a yacht to take two weeks out to just have some R and R than it is in other jobs, and it's difficult to get that support. Um, can I 
I actually I can throw it over to any one of you actually for a comment on that. How do you fix that problem? <laughs> or how do you address it? How do you address it? There we go. Let's go to Steve first, because. Well, I think um, I think you rightly said that you know the, at the end of the day, you know that the captain of the ship is part of a of a big team, and I think everybody has to play their part, and is you know and a a good team in my eyes is is a team of leaders, you know, that can take ownership and responsibility at the various levels. Clearly, they they know the sort of that if there was a, you know the sort of a command structure, if you like, but but having that means that you know. Leadership can be really lonely at times, you know, and, and certainly captains of, of vessels can feel lonely, you know, and they clearly have, you know, they feel that they may have a, you know, um, a status to uphold, uh, you know, a way of being, you know, a sort of stiff upper lip at times. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whether you're a captain of the ship or, you know, or any of the team, uh, you're a human being and these things can affect any time. And, uh, and it's a key point as well, and certainly going on to the point about the um, mental health aspects, is that these things are normal and that through life, you know, we as humans will struggle at some time or other. Uh, the key thing is within a, key, a team aspect of how do you support each other within that. And, you know, when um, Andy, you know, we talk about the, the resilience programmes that we do, a lot of that is all about... How do you build resilience, both from a from a collective sense, i.e., a vessel, or whether it's an in, individual? And those things should be able to dovetail to um, to increase sort of the fortitude, if you like, or the the ability, the performance of, of the team or the crew that's on board. Just just add to that. Really, talked a bit about leadership. What we do know is that. Leaders of groups of organisations that have this sort of mental health trauma-informed uh, language and approach report, you know, as little as one tenth the mental uh, distress and ill health in their their team than leaders and organisations that just sort of brush things under the carpet and say it doesn't happen to us. And what we're talking about in our in our programs and our delivery is not is not a forced emotional ventilation as a therapeutic measure. It just builds on that everyday supportive peer group interaction. Well, I think that's a a really big part of it is having a platform of communication so that if you're used to talking about things then when things step up a little bit, um, it's not like a whole new topic that you've never had to bring up or you've never brought up anything, you know, more personal. And I, I think that's true for everyone of um, when you're used to communicating and talking, it, it it's not an extra hurdle to get over when you really have to talk about things do, that matter. Do you think that captains should get extra training, say a week's training or whatever, uh, in, in getting their captain's ticket. Do you think that they should get training in in talking with crew? In um, and I'm not suggesting that within a week you can turn a captain into a counsellor, nor nor you know, should they have that role. But should they have more training in a identifying uh, potential issues with uh, their crew or be in how to talk with their crew 
in in a kind of supportive way. I mean, we get lots them. of you know medical training. You you have yeah, to know the fundamentals training, of health, you know yeah. medical training yeah. and safety training. It it has always it struck be, me um, that there's a you, gap. <laughs> indeed, yeah. I mean, it should be an absolute prerequisite. I mean, you, you look at um, things like Helm, which you know we all know human element leadership management, um, which uh, it, uh, it's my belief needs a, a pretty serious look at in terms of content, but. Um, to give somebody the responsibility that that, that captains are given with, with little or no support around any element of their uh, training, I think is uh, is is woeful. Um, to train tra- training in anybody, be, be it myself, uh, uh, you know, training is part and parcel of your own personal development, and um, you, you know, captains um, probably above all else should be given an opportunity to either refresh look at new options around leadership, look at new options around how they cope with uh, dealing with uh, you know, potential problems with, associated with mental health. Um, it, it's just should be folded into uh, the protocols of being a captain and thus you should be allowed to go away and, uh, and, and you know, take these courses and look at how you better yourself in order to be a better leader. Of course, the one person we're forgetting in, the, in, in all of this discussion and these scenarios, who supports the captain? When the captain's kind of going, you know, they've got tremendous responsibility, not only for like a, a hundred and ten million pound asset, but quite often the owners of these boats, um, is, and I've met loads of them, lovely people in general, but some of them can be, yeah, they're tough business people, be it male or female. Yeah. They, they, they tend to be, uh, they want it, they expect it, they're seven star service, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of pressure on those shoulders. Um, yeah, we've thought about this quite heavily, actually. And, and if you look at the infrastructure of, of um, you know, the laundryman to um, the CEO of a well-known management company, I mean, everybody within that matrix needs to have some form of training in um, you know, mental resilience, crew resilience training, mental resilience training, whatever you want to call it. We, we think that um, between us, the offer that we have um, can be widely used in a, in a senior sort of space in, within the management companies. If you start looking at the designated person at shore, for example, and um, and also if you start looking at the um, the brokers who have direct interactions with with the yachts, uh, purser, chief stew, captain, whichever, um, if they're able to communicate effectively with them, um, have with with the knowledge or, or with the same knowledge as the captain, then then surely that makes for a better dynamic. Hmm. What, what exactly does I mean, we're coming to the top of the hour um, as a boat if I engage Insignia and say look I, I want this resilience training I want to put this in place in my boat uh, what, what do you guys do what do you deliver on that front well, what's in, involved do they need to you know, be somewhere for a week or how do you kind of bring it all together okay well traditionally or, you know, the effects of COVID over the last eight weeks, we would deliver an in-house group type of workshop over two days. What we are, um, what we have developed over the last sort of five or six weeks is the same offering as, as Andrew said at the beginning in an online blended learning way. Now, what we mean by that is, you know, several hours of self-directed 
study, which we've done in a very interactive way, a lot of uh, video demonstrations and things like that, with then an, an online sort of uh, learning classroom where we, that would probably be, you know, around about two hours. So we can still deliver with the, the philosophy that we've got, which is one, to do no harm in any training that we do. Two, to look after the people that do the training with us. And three, to make this a, a, um, a policy and a procedure that a group, a yacht and management company can use on a, on a daily basis. So the training is around um, training people, non-clinicians, non-clinical people in everything we've spoken about from recognizing signs and symptoms to being able to then manage interventions if need be from normalizing responses to uh, some structured peer support to fulfill any sort of documentation that forms part of this process and signpost and support people in that organization to the resources that are already there. So traditionally, um, you know, and hopefully we'll get back to the workshop live face-to-face -face deliveries, but in the meantime, we can deliver online and going forward, maybe there'll be a, a mixture of the, the two processes, really. So it's training people and leaving an organization with the robust management policy that helps them discharge their duty of care. And how do you, how do you find their, uh, the acceptance of this? Do you find people are, are welcoming this? Um, or do you do you find resistance? Can can I add add well, to uh, that? So is is there even possibly more interest at the moment? Because universally, uh, whether you're on board or working at home, people have been put under greater mental stress. At some there is nobody I have talked to in the past two months that have not said you know mm -hmm. there are good days and bad days in the past two months with lockdown. There's an unknown factor, which is universal. There is a certain amount of fear. Um, at the moment, all of us are feeling an extra pressure. But from the crew we've talked to as well, they, they're, it's not just that they're staying on board, they're still busy, they're working, but that not being able to get home to their family if something happens, that sort of sense of isolation, or will we go to charter, or will we go to season, you know, they're... They may be working and lucky enough to be on board and having a job, but it's a definitely a, um, I feel, a trigger point for everybody on mental health. Thank you. I think there's two points there. The first one is, no, we don't get the reluctance and resistance to um, engaging in this process that you might think, particularly because of the way we can present uh, things from a, a hard what we call psychophysiological standpoint. We're explaining why the brain and the body work in this way with examples that, you know, uh, Steve and others bring from 20 odd years of, of uh, you know, quite pragmatic um, delivery of this stuff. So, no, we don't get that. Secondly, I think you're quite right that actually what things have, uh, have, have uh, shown us over the last sort of six to seven weeks, the demand is actually increasing for organizations to work out how they can better support their people now and in what will be a long tail out of this situation. I think that's the other bit of it. You know, it, it's nice to have extra freedoms after lockdown, but a bit like when we were talking to Andrew on VE Day, 
Um, it's not like we're celebrating the end of the war and everything's fine and back to normal. We still have many unknowns ahead of us in the next year or so. So it's a, as you said, a longer tail at the moment. Yeah, it's not a clear, I think it clear points as well. Sorry, if I may jump yeah. in, is um, um, you know what Andy's talking about. You know, it, it's 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 absolutely relevant within the the context that we're using it with, whether it's in with a, with a vessel or you know um, the, the emergency services or the NHS in the UK, etc. But you know what, when it, when we we talk about the resilience factor, you know, this is this is beneficial in all areas of life, you know, for being people, you know, so the, the benefits are there and, and then changing certain habits that we've, we've got, you know, just improving little tweaks here and there, we can make a huge difference to whether it's, you know, the performance in, in, in uh, working on board a vessel or whether it's in our home life, you know, because they all interchangeable and they all have a huge effect on, on how well we live our life and do our work, you know, and do our jobs. Indeed, and I think so. Uh, so you know, Insignia Crew uh, are offering you know an industry-leading approach you know to this that we've had to modify over the last sort of eight weeks. Um, you know, but was there in place anyway? Yeah, I've, it's um, it's no surprise, but it is a shock to me how how traumatizing people have found the last eight weeks and nine weeks of lockdown and. And this whole pandemic thing, it's, uh, it's really had quite a profound effect on people. And um, quite honestly, I think we could all do with a little bit of resilience training just to, you know, prop us up for the next little yeah, while ahead. To help us, help us multiply the resources we've already got. So, for example, mm -hmm. you mentioned sleep and that's the norm on the, the yachts. Well, we can teach people with good research how to improve their sleep recovery with the disruption that the job means that they have to have. One, way, one way is to uh, not have our little daughter sleep in the middle of, of <laughs> That's that. not a problem that everybody has. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, that was yeah. really interesting and informative. Um, it's certainly a great way to start this week of having awareness. And uh, I, I have to say, I think we could all do with the universal universal experience of uh, a little bit of resilience training. But thank you for explaining more today. Um, the team from Insignia Crew, yes, stick stay with, with us for a moment. For We're a just moment. switching over to the news, which is kicking in now. Um, well, kicked in a moment ago. There. This was uh, Steve Eaton and Andy McCann, and of course, Andrew Holm from Insignia Crew. If you want to hear any, uh, get any more information or follow up on this, just uh, either reach out to us here at the station or Insignia Crew. Super Yacht Radio, making you feel good all, all day, day long. long.